Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, Yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run where we recap all the major talking points and news stories of the day and, of course, give you your chance to have your say on the news of the day. You can do that on the Harcourts open line, one 736 736 Your move, your Harcourts. Hope you had a cracking day or as good a day as you possibly can. It's been uh, an ugly old day weather-wise in Melbourne, cold and wet and windy. Uh, it's the quintessential uh, winter's day. Um, so I hope it's been as good as it possibly can. However you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, wonderful to have you on board. However you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network, we do it for Maccas. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. And if you can't call in on the Harcourt's open line, you are more than welcome to send me a text uh, on the Temper text machine, Temper a mattress like no other, Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 98 Plenty to get through today. Uh, we're going to go over to the West. Uh, the Purple Haze is in full effect. Hashtag flag mantle is trending. Uh, they are the number one team in town. Uh, the Eagles just uh, in their worst possible rut in the club's history. Fremantle have just beaten the two teams that sit ahead of them on the AFL ladder after knocking off Brisbane Lions yesterday in Melbourne the week before. So Paul Hazelby, uh, one of their greatest ever, will jump on the phone with us and just give us a sense of how it's being received over there, what he's liking about Frio uh, this year, and a heap to talk about too. Exactly how big is it in terms of a culture setter? Nat Fife saying, I'll play twos. I haven't played a game in 12 months. I'm, I'm due to come back, but I will come back through the Magoos. Uh, I'm no better than anyone else in this team. Uh, and exactly what is it and what's the catalyst for their form this season? Paul Hazel to join me at 6.30. In the meantime, your say uh, on the news of the day, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433981116 uh, on the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. So the biggest conversation point today has been players who may or may not be contributing uh, to uh, trying to win their own free kicks in means that some feel isn't within the spirit of the game. Cody Waitman, uh, the uh, massive Academy Award-winning lunge forward to try and win a free kick on Friday night uh, for pushing the back inside Ford 50. Uh, and then Jack Ginevan, the, the latest to be uh, under the microscope uh, after his efforts yesterday, when uh, after a couple of uh, attempts of trying to draw high contact, there was a, a free kick that was just a blatantly high tackle that didn't get paid. And are umpires, and this is the question, are umpires now deliberately not paying free kicks to those because they believe it's a bit of boy who cried wolf situation? Uh, that's been discussed all throughout the course of the day. And it started off this morning about players uh, looking for free kicks. If you make an umpire, they are humans. If you make an umpire look stupid because you try and milk a free kick and they give it to you, then the next time you're going to have to be damn sure that you want to get like a free. Wolf. Yeah. And there was a bit of that with Cody Waitman on Friday night and there was a lot of it with Ginnivan on Sunday yesterday. Right, wrong, just human nature. Where do you sit on it? I like, I like the players that test the, the boundaries. I don't agree that he, that he ducks 
I don't agree that, that he ducks. That, I agree that he. I agree that, that is he, where you and I agree to disagree. I agree that he drives his. He stays low and he drives his legs through a player. He goes lower. He starts low and goes lower. He lifts his arm. He goes lower. In my opinion, he goes lower. I look. I can't. I can't disagree with that. And I can't disagree with with the the fact. And we both see it. And everyone knows it that he is actually the exit strategy for some of his ground ball inside Ford 50 is to be caught high and to get a set shot on goal. Mm. That tests the rules. I don't I don't have an issue with that at all. My opinion is he's gone too far, Jack Ginnivan. He's gone too far in his search for a free kick in those circumstances. Agree or disagree? Just I'm watching absolutely neutrally and I'm looking at it going, you're going to pay for that at some stage. And he did. The umpire actually, he ducked into one, got ripped his round the neck it should have been holding the ball if he wasn't going to pay around the neck. It was one or the other, and he didn't pay it in the end, so he had a dollar each way. And then he missed out on what he should have got, and this is what happens. So if you use your size or if you use your guile or if you use your smarts to be on the edge of the rules, I don't have an issue with that. I think it's it's a hard game to umpire, and we, we have an emotional reaction. So if, if Jack Ginevan drops his shoulders or lifts his arm – as Joel Selwood has done his whole career, and gets a high free kick, mm-hmm. and your and your opposition, uh, you, your defender has given that free kick away, you've got an emotional reaction to it. So I think we find that we get drawn into that, but that's the game. So that was Gary Lyon and Nathan Buckley going back and forth uh, this morning on SEN Breakfast, sen.com.au, to hear the full chat. Interestingly, that since Cody Waitman a few weeks ago uh, said that, drawing free kicks as part of his skill set. So before he said that, he'd received 36 free kicks in 24 matches. This is uh, on Footy on Nine's Instagram, which I saw. Uh, And since he said that, he's received two free kicks in five games. Since he's drawn it to the attention of the footy world, and people have been saying it about him for a while, um, but since he has spoken about it openly and honestly and, and discussed it from his perspective, he's received two free kicks in five games. And, um, Read into that what you will, but it seemed that Jack Ginneman just wasn't getting the calls yesterday, even for some that looked pretty pretty darn obvious. So now the conversation has gone, well, is it a case of boy who cried wolf? Are umpires maybe subconsciously thinking, well, I can't trust that you actually haven't initiated that or you're not playing for that? Uh, or is it just a case of a couple of missed calls and we're reading far too much into it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jared Whateley was having this conversation with a caller earlier this morning. You become the boy who cried wolf. So we saw this in real time with Cody Waitman on Friday night who uh, played for free kicks in a manner that's frankly undignified. And then when his moment came to get a free kick, he's on the wrong end of it because I think the umpires are going, well, on the margins in these things, there's, there's a fair chance that you keep doing that uh, and I'm not prepared to blow the whistle. So you become... It... Undoubtedly, but having said that, the, the umpires do not have the ability to ignore the rules. No, I totally agree with that. They have to interpret and apply the rules. And I think those players give them just that moment of a pause. Was he actually taken high or was he flinging himself around again? And I think you become you become hostage to your own behaviour. I don't have much sympathy for either of them at the moment. I think they both clearly missed free kicks that they might have been given. But... They played their own hand as those games developed. They are different in the way that they did it, but they have contributed to the 
to the subjectivity of it. I agree with you, Jason, is that, that there's definitely at least one late that gets paid in the normal scheme of things. Jerry Waitley, great conversation you had with a caller earlier today on the issue. And then David King came in and was asked for his point of view on it and whether or not uh, umpires, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, aren't paying free kicks to players that they think um, are exaggerating the contact, are trying to milk the free kick or instigate the free kick themselves. Well, it pisses me off that the umpires can do that. It's either a free kick or it's not. It shouldn't matter who the player or what the jumper it's either a free kick or it's not. And and, and you say, oh, it's human nature. We're bringing in all these grey areas. You know, the, what happened to the common sense of last week? He nearly lost his – he nearly had his ears ripped off late in that game yesterday. And play on because, oh, he, he, he's, he's playing for free kick. No, if it's there, you pay it. If it's not there, you don't. But in an era where the whistle's never been more prevalent, to have a guy that draws free kicks is a significant asset. You've got Sam Mitchell saying, we have had to take time out of our week to talk about how to tackle a young player like Jack Ginnivan. What a, what a massive endorsement for this kid. He's a serious player. I won't hear of the fact that, oh, every player can do this and every player can dive and every player can you know ensure they get taken high by lowering their head and all that sort of stuff. He gets to the ball first to put himself in a position to dictate what he does with his body. That was uh, David King earlier on today. Nathan Jones, former D skipper, uh, 300 gamer, was on with Dwayne in his regular Monday morning spot. SEN.com.au to hear all these chats in full, of course. Catch up on the podcast page or on the app. But he had a really interesting take on it in terms of what how this is done from the player's point of view and the technique implemented. If I was to put myself in those shoes, I'm initiating the contact to avoid being tackled versus if I try yeah. and uh, versus if I try and turn around and going the opposite direction, I'm probably opening up the chance for you to tackle me even more. But whereas if I initiate the contact, um, you know, it's making it a hell of a lot more difficult for you to grab hold of me if I if I come at you mm. rather than try and run away from you when we're both, when I'm lower trying to pick a ball up. So that's what I mean. I, I, there is a slight loophole to it, but there's also a real skill to it. Um, and you're always taught from a very young age to... You know, go down, keep your head over the footy and go lower and harder. Generally, you come out, you know, far better off than if you were to stand up or trying to avoid the contact. So, um, you know, for mine, it's I'd be initiating the contact. So that was Nathan Jones today, uh, just uh, only recently out of the game, giving his perspective. And there's a heap of text coming through. I'll read those, 0433 98 11 16. Uh, and you can call 1300 736 736 on the Harcourt's open line. Uh, some breaking news that I'm going to get to in just uh, a moment. Sam Landsberger is reporting that there has been a softening. He's got sources telling him that there's been a softening of the dissent rule. Um, and he believes that arms out is no longer 50. Players will be allowed to express emotion in the heat of battle. Sources saying, according to the article, have told the Herald Sun that the umpires are now being told to tolerate a level of emotion so long as players are able to show restraint. So we'll dig a little bit deeper into that uh, and you can have your say on that as well. But just on the, this issue, the, the conversation's gone more to Ginneman today because of the game yesterday and the, and the free kick that wasn't paid there. Uh, I actually believe that and whether it be Cody Waitman, and he is not Robinson Crusoe, by the way, throwing yourself forward to try and win the in the back. Tom Hawkins only a few weeks ago was a meme in this space. 
but it seems like these small blonde-headed forwards raise the ire of fans and get the blood to boil of fans and opposition defenders more than anyone uh, in the history of the game has been able to do. Just something about them rubs people up the wrong way. So I think what Waitman did and and what you know Tom Hawkins did and, and what a ton of players have done over the history of the game, that throwing yourself forward to try and exaggerate, I actually think that's a far worse look for the game than what Jack Ginneman is doing, who I don't think is actually doing anything wrong. Just as I don't think Joel Selwood, in the 16-year career that he has had, has done anything wrong with the way that he has been able to shrug the arm up and slightly drop the knees and make sure that when the tackle comes in, in the close quarters that he's operating in, that that tackle goes up high and above the shoulder and he's able to win himself a free kick. There's nothing that they're doing that is actually against the rules, yet we seem to be really upset whether it be with Waitman doing it or Ginnivan that's doing it. So given that he's a small forward, ask yourself what's his job. So Jack Ginnivan is a small forward. What's his job? Crumbs, essentially. There's a few other things we know, but he's a goal-kicking small forward. So be front and square, collect crumbs if the ball's to ground. Where are the crumbs? Well, the crumbs are on the ground. So where's he going to be? at low ground level, trying to pick up a footy that's come off a marking contest if he hasn't been able to shark it directly out of midair, Luke Bruce style. So what's your job then as a defender? Well, it's to get lower, tackle him properly. And I don't think he actually ducks. I just don't think he comes up as players are expecting him to. He gets low and drives forward and stays down. He doesn't actually come up in the way that I think players might be expecting him to. So do you Sam Mitchell say that they've, that they've done work into it, put work into it. That just goes to show you, uh, as as David King pointed out, how impressive this is from a second gamer, that they're putting actual work into him to make sure that they don't infringe on him because he's doing his job by being first to the ball when the ball hits the ground. He's actually not doing anything wrong. So it then moves to how we're taught to pick up the ball. As you heard from Nathan Jones there, I mean, we tried to hang David McKay last year for a correct attempt at picking up a footy at pace. There's still videos up AFL sanctioned that walk you through to do exactly what he did. And now, how do you teach, what are we actually telling kids? Do you go low and make sure your head stays in a prone position to get a high contact, as Nathan Jones is sort of saying that you can do in terms of technique, or are we supposed to be doing it the way that we were taught earlier? So that makes a bit of a confusion for young kids and young coaches on how they're teaching kids uh, to go in to pick up the ball. And kids mimic what they see at the highest level. That's more of a concern to me than anything if we're now saying that it is technically um, okay to leave your head in a, in a precarious situation in order to try and win a free kick. But as I say, we seem to be really, really upset, really upset with Cody Waitman and Jack Ginnivan and just this year, I'm noticing a little bit sneak in when it comes to Joel Selwood. But I think that's more about the physical stuff that he gets involved in with other players that opposition fans get so upset by. And again, Joel Selwood's a Bendigo boy, so I'll never say a bad word about him. But it has been getting pointed out since he started. And I'll go through since he started. He has been the number one free kick recipient. So he's played six. This is his 16th season. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In eight years out of the 15 he's already played, he has been the number one free kick recipient in eight of those years. And in the others, 07 equal 10th. 2010 second, 2011 second, 2021. Uh, 2013, uh, 2012 he was third, 2018 second, 2019 he was equal seventh. Now in 2020 he was equal 14th, but he only played 15 games. 
And last year, he was number one in the comp again. This year, he's equal fifth again. Yet, we, no one seems to get upset about that. We're upset about these young, small forwards who are doing their jobs. And I don't want Joel Selwood to be criticised for what he does. You can if you want. But, he's, again, he's not actually breaking any rules of the game. He's not breaking any laws. But he's first at the footy. And when he's first at the footy in a congested situation... He's been able to build a career on so much more because he's a three-time premiership player, one of the most courageous players that's ever played the game, wonderful captain. He's revered and admired, and so he should be. But I'm, it, it just bewilders me that we get really upset about a Jack Ginnivan or a Cody Waitman. Yet, Joel Selwood has, in eight seasons of footy, has been, and only once in his whole career has he been outside the top ten recipients of free kicks every year. He's been number one for eight of them. This isn't a new thing. This really isn't a new thing. I've got a shower thought about it a little later. Uh, Paul in Camberwell. Hello, Paul. Oh, hi, how you doing? Good, mate. That's good. I was at the game yesterday, and um, when the game was on the line, um, uh, I followed the Hawks, and um, CJ was on the wing, or around the, between the wing and the half-forward line, and all he did was try to spoil... And um, he gave he gave a really solid attempt to spoil, and it turned out all he did was put his finger on the on the opposition player's shoulder. One finger, you can see the replay. One finger on the opposition's shoulder, and the umpire deemed it late in the game when the game was on the line to pay push in the back, and I think. You know, I'm happy with the way the Hawks are going. I don't mind if we lose because we're doing, we seem to be doing well. But if we were in the top four, and that's a, that could be a decision making for a qualifying final or a um, home game, or yeah, if it was more serious, if we're higher up in the ladder, which we're not, and I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. But what a pathetic decision to actually to for a player to put one finger on someone's shoulder in a spoiling attempt. And, and, and virtually changed the way the game went in the dying moments. Uh, Paul, I, I can't remember the, the, the one that you're talking about, so I'll go back and have a look. Um, there were certainly some eyebrow-raising decisions yesterday. I'm a very uh, staunch ally of the umpires, but as I said in the call yesterday, my friendship was being tested uh, for numerous reasons, not least of which was insufficient intent, which has now turned into insufficient luck. We laughed it off being insufficient skill at one point. Now it's actually got that bad that it's insufficient luck. Anyway, um, we'll come back on the other side of this and keep taking your calls. Chris in Preston, stay right there. This is the Macca's Run. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, a couple off the temper text. Uh, everyone whinges about Selwood. What are you talking about, mate? You might have missed my point. If I didn't make it clearly enough, then I apologise. What I'm pointing out is... If why would the umpires now be making decisions not to pay free kicks subconsciously or consciously to players who they think are milking it or instigating the high contact when that hasn't stopped them with Joel? And this isn't a criticism of Joel for Geelong fans who are coming hard at me. I love Joel Selwood as a player. He's a Bendigo boy, uh, and I am as one-eyed and parochial about any person that ever comes out of Bendigo. So he gets nothing but love and respect from me. 
um, and I'm not having a crack at him. What I'm saying is that what, I don't believe that we'd be in a situation where umpires are going to, and I, and I would be staggered if we were, where they're, oh, we, that, that's the boy who cried wolf, so we might not pay some of those to them. It hasn't stopped Joel Selwood for his whole career being the number one recipient of free kicks. Eight years out of the 15 he's played, he's been number one in the comp, and every other year except one, he's been uh, top 10. Most of them top five, second or third. So that's the point I'm trying to make there. Uh, it's insane that you and other football commentators would defend anyone trying to induce head-high contact. We have players getting rubbed out for accidental head contact, so we reduce brain injury. Selwood should be fined every time he drops his shoulders to milk a free. Not condoning it. What I'm saying is at the moment, there isn't a rule against it. So until there is, these players actually aren't doing anything wrong. So uh, that, again, points to the fact that if there is a situation where the umpires are saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pay that because I think you might be trying to con me, well, that isn't acceptable because it isn't actually against a rule to do so at the minute. I, I do think that the throwing yourself forward and flopping to try and get it in the back is against the spirit of the game. But if you get lower than the person trying to tackle you and that person can't, doesn't execute the tackle efficiently or sufficiently below the shoulders, then that is just as much on the tackler as it is on the tackle Uh Chris is in Preston. Uh, g'day, Chris. G'day there. How are you going? Good, thank you. That's good. I your last minute was spoke so much sense. It's not even funny. Like everything you have just said there. When did the 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 tackler become not at fault? I guess, and and you know the onus wasn't on them to go, you know, lower or better or, or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, you know, your, your sentiments are spot on. I, I just wanted to talk briefly about the Hawthorne treatment of of Jack Ginnivan. It's something that's probably been glossed over, but obviously he gets under the opposition skin and whatnot. But yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I, Blake Hardwick a couple of times, um, you know, after Ginnivan had, had, you know, not been awarded these so-called free kicks, which, which you know, leave it to people to interpret, but he went after him in, in a really yeah. unnecessary way. And while... Hey, Chris, I'm going to get you to stay there. I can't move this ad break, so I'm going to come to you on the other side of the chat before we speak to Paul Hazelby. Back with you after this Macca's Run. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, welcome back or to the Macca's Run. Wonderful to have you on board. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today with special sauce, juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Great to have you on board. Paul Hayes will be standing by uh, and ready to join us to chat all things Dockers. Uh, their last two weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we'll get him to take us through uh, why they're playing uh, as well as they are. Uh, we were talking before the break about uh, the major conversation point today. It's been players who might be uh, looking to milk free kicks and whether umpires um, are now making decisions based on past behaviours as opposed to just calling what they see. I'm not convinced that that's happening. Uh, if, if that was the case and it would have been happening for years, there has been players trying to exaggerate or accentuate high contact um, since Methuselah was playing thirds for Menangatang. Um I also th- find it amazing that we're going really hard and being so critical of players who are actually getting to the ball first, which I thought was the object. Uh, but anyway, um, Chris in Preston, who uh, was chatting to us just before the break. Chris, thanks for holding on, mate. Uh, I can't move that ad break, so I appreciate you holding on to finish off your thoughts. No, no worries, Sam. Thanks, mate. I um, Yeah, I was just touching on... on the treatment of Ginnivan by the Hawthorne players. I mean, it's one thing um, Jack not getting free kicks, but, uh, I mean, he obviously gets under the opposition skin, but the way that they were sort of going after him um, when he was... He's quite a... Um, he's 
small guy, obviously, build-wise. But, you know, on his back a couple of times, Blake Hardwick was sort of, um, you know, shirt-fronting him and, and pushing him up and down on the ground and stuff. I, I just don't know the message that sounds as well, um, sends as well, I should say. Um, you know, if, you, if, you, if your kid did that at school to another kid, it'd probably be considered bullying. Now, we don't call it that as adults because they're all big enough and ugly enough to sort of deal with, deal with that on a footy field. But I just don't know that it's a good look and... Um, you know, granted that opposition clubs might not like him um, sort of seeking that head-high contact, but he shouldn't also be villainised by opposition teams and gone after in that extent as well. It's sort of I, really poor behaviour by Hawthorne. I, I don't think it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's bullying, Chris. I think it is part of the combativeness of footy, and it is part of the mental side of things. And Jack Ginnivan, and to his credit, and I've had his old man on the show too. He goes out of his way, by his own admission, to try and get under the skin of opposition Definitely. players. And so he knows that that's going to come his way, and he will never, ever whinge or complain about it because he knows that he's played a role in that happening. Now, whether or not tactically you're actually going to be able to get him off his game by going after him physically, and whether it's worth the effort, uh, worth the energy that goes into it, the jury's still out on that, and I would say that so far, given he's kicked over 20 goals for the year, I think he's equal leading goal kicker for Collingwood this season. I don't think it's working. I don't think it worries him. I think he actually enjoys it. He lifts for it and relishes it and, and thrives in and amongst it. So um, I understand what you'd be saying. And, and I think, yep, there are different circumstances on a footy field than there are in what we would experience in real life. But but that niggling and, and that uh, aggressiveness is part of football and, and part of the cut and thrust of it. Um, but I appreciate your, your call. And it is up to the umpires to, to check. I mean, it is up to, and that's what the MRO is there for, that's what umpires are there for, to to, to cr- tick off on those things and make sure that nothing uh, that goes outside the rules of the game uh, actually occurs. Uh, Ibrahim is calling in Glen Roy. Hello, mate. Yeah, good, mate. Self? Yeah, good, thanks. What have you got for me? So... Just want to say thank you very much for the information regarding Selwood um, about how he's leading the free kick count. Um, the thing, the difference between his free kicks and the ones that they're calling about diving and stuff is that when he gets the free kicks, he's standing up tall. So he gets tackled, he lifts his hands, and then automatically your hand flies down and hits straight to the neck. So if you see a lot of his tackles, um, he sort of plays a part in the but He's not diving. He's not dropping his knees. He's just standing up tall. But because the person that tackles him, he lifts the, he lifts the hands up and then it's automatically just goes straight to the neck. So I think he's found the loophole. Good on him. I think um, it's the way you can exploit the system if you can. Why not? But they haven't caught on to it. So I don't know. Is it fair? Are you allowed to do that? It's, it's a good call, but the information you gave was just, just backs it up that he does know what he's doing, and he does it on purpose. So when you're watching him next, watch him put his hands up, and you'll get a free kick, definitely. Yeah so, yeah, so, Ibrahim, I, I, again, there's nothing outside the rules that any of these guys are doing. I don't think all of Joel Selwoods are like that. Sometimes he, he, he just gets lower and harder than anyone else, and people, you know, he, he helps that arm go up a little bit higher and therefore gets the over-the-shoulder high-contact free kick. There's nothing in the rules either that says that once you've got low to pick up the ball, you have to stand bolt upright. Some players now, and we're seeing, are looking to drive through and pass the tackle if they can by staying low and driving out of it. Not all of them 
uh, just turning into it. They're actually just staying low and not coming up straight away. And the tackler just isn't getting low enough, whether they're expecting them to come up a bit quicker or they're just not executing the tackle. So there's nothing in the rules that say once you pick up the ball, you have to do a certain thing. You can, your next move is your next move. And that's what prior opportunity, you have prior opportunity to try and either break the tackle, to give it off. You see players all the time push through and do the Superman handball out because whether or not they can't drive out fully or they see another option, he just stays with the ball and, and holds onto it for just a split second longer, just in case you don't get him correctly. Um, Appreciate the call though. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Let's turn our attention uh, to the Dockers. Uh, what a time to be alive if you're a Fremantle Dockers fan. Not only uh, are the West Coast Eagles in their worst position in their club's history, but your team have just beaten the two teams sitting above them on the AFL ladder. It was Melbourne last week in Melbourne, and then. Just to frank the form, the Lions, the number one scoring team in the competition, up against the number one defence in the competition. Uh, and it was the number one defence who actually ended up putting on a great offensive display as well. So could life be any better for a Fremantle fan than being third on the ladder, just a game outside a top spot? You've beaten the top two teams and your arch rivals, the Nemesis, uh, they are in their worst position in recent memory. Uh, what a time to be alive if you're a Fremantle Dockers fan. Not only uh, are the West Coast Eagles in their worst position in their club's history, but your team have just beaten the two teams sitting above them on the AFL ladder. It was Melbourne last week in Melbourne. And then, just to frank the form, the Lions, the number one scoring team in the competition, up against the number one defence in the competition. Uh, and it was the number one defence who actually ended up putting on a great offensive display as well. So could life be any better for a Fremantle fan than being third on the ladder, just a game outside a top spot. You've beaten the top two teams and your arch rivals, the nemesis, uh, they are in their worst position in recent memory. So we thought, let's go over to the West and have a chat to a man that wore the purple uh, with pride uh, and even wore it when it had a bit of green in there too. Uh, he did it uh, 208 times uh, for the Fremantle Footy Club, pick two uh, in the 1999 draft. And the host of the run home on SENWA with Damien Martin, Paul Hazelby, has been good enough to jump on. Hayes, hello, mate. Hey, Sammy, great to be with you, mate. Life would be a bit better if the, the flights were a bit cheaper to get over to Melbourne for the grand final. But we're not getting carried away, but <laughs> flag mantle is a real thing over here. Hashtag flag mantle trending. Uh, it certainly is, mate. It's, it's been terrific. And look, it's been a long time coming. It hasn't just happened overnight. This is a six-year rebuild, really from 2015 when the Dockers bowed out of the finals. They were on top that year. And then, of course, there was a big rebuild, significant rebuild. And the drafting has just been terrific. And David Wall was the recruiting manager. He's absolutely nailed the last six years. And that's why they were, are where they are right now. When you're, when you're looking at this team at the moment, what do you see? What are you seeing in them when you look at them over the last two weeks? I, I was really impressed with Justin Longmuir saying uh, three weeks ago after the Collingwood loss, just put it on the line. We've got ahead of ourselves um, and we need to address that. So they do. And then their next two weeks are as good a two weeks as they've had in recent memory. What are you seeing when you watch them play over the last two like when I look at them, I say they're missing some quality key forwards. But then you look again, and what makes them different this year is their ball movement. Mm. They don't rely mm. on those key targets because their ball movement from the back half is just irresistible at times. They find a way to get it to the open side. Their half forwards really spread hard and fast. And Michael Frederick and Travis Collier 
And they either, either use those players or they go corridor and they get really good looks inside their forward 50 because it's not about those key forwards dominating games. It's about the collective. And even on the weekend, who would have thought Bailey Bansford would step up and kick four goals? Michael Frederick, three. Griffin Lode's been thrown into that role. So it's not a traditional game plan or game setup, but it's built on momentum, speed of ball through the corridor. And when they get it on their own terms, like they did for the last three quarters against Brisbane and the second half against Melbourne, it's really hard to defend. So the no five, no Tabin and no Walters makes the win even more impressive. I've always been a big believer that if you are going to win a flag or get to a grand final, to get you there, you really need to have at least one and possibly two consistent, reliable and at times dominant key forwards. I think Lobb's starting to play more consistent than he ever has. Tabiner, we know what he's capable of when he strings games together. Um, the other part of it is that you've got to be a top four offense. You've got to be a top four defense. They're a top two defense, but they're still 12th in their offense. But over the last two weeks, so they average 11 goals a game, Hayes, but over the last two weeks, uh, they've kicked 14 and 15. Now, the Lions are the number one scoring side who average 15 goals a game. So they're starting they're starting to improve and, and, and increase their scoring, which is, which is, I think, what makes them so ominous, especially with those dangerous players that I've just mentioned to come back. And I think they've got gears to be able to do that. I think the last couple of weeks have showed us that when it's going against them, like it was in the second quarter against Melbourne, they have got this switch that they can go to to say, boys, Friday, we need to change it up. We need to be more aggressive the way that we move the footy to get some open looks. And in the first quarter against Brisbane, Brisbane just stunted their ball movement wholeheartedly and they couldn't get through. And then in that second quarter, they found a way. And what held them in that game was their defence. As you said, their defence is the number one in the competition. But um, when things weren't going their way, they still kept the score down to three goals. And then eventually the tide will turn and they will flip the switch and they go into this aggressive ball movement mode. And that's what we saw for the last three quarters. So I'm with you. Traditionally, you need Tabano out there, but he hasn't been fit. You need Lob. And I've always said Lob's probably a really good third man. He's not your two man, mm. but he is having a good year. And his last two games have been terrific. It is a team built on ball movement. You look at their two losses. Why do they lose? It's because of that ball movement. It wasn't there because the conditions were wet. They couldn't move it like they normally do. They spread hard. They've got speed. They've got some really good players inside the contest to get it to the outside, but if they can't do that in those conditions, it becomes hard. But the last two weeks, they've been terrific. Well, the grand finals played uh, in open conditions, as, as we know, Paul Hazelby. So if it rains on grand final day, I reckon we'd find, though, that in between now and then, Justin Longmuir seems to be maybe one of the most... Um, astute and and broader thinking minds. I, I love the fact that he's part of a new coaching generation that doesn't just stop at, well, this is our structure, this is our structure. He will throw things around. He will he will make changes. He'll put James Aish onto Clayton Oliver. He'll put Griffin Logue to Stephen May. Um, he, he will. They will go and ta- tag a winger or that they change it around. They, they, they show you something different every single week. I'm sure now that he'd have a plan to combat their woes in the wet. Uh, I made the comment the other night, they're like cricket. They don't get play, they don't play in the wet. But he, how impressed with you, uh, how impressed are you with him as a coach? Oh, he's, he's been unbelievable over here. From the minute he took over, he's just a calm, cool-natured guy. And he's honest and upfront. There was an interview the other day uh, before the game, we actually told the broadcasters that Griffin Logue was going to go to Stephen May before the actual bounce. Now, you don't see that too often mm. because 
Most clubs think, you know, you've got to keep it cards close to your chest and you don't want to give away anything. No, they went out and they told them and this is what they did and they executed on that. Even on the weekend, Nathan Fife made his comeback. They made the decision on Tuesday to let everybody know and it was a great spectacle for the waffle footy who's yeah. done it tough with the mid-season draft and all the different rules that have come in. They allowed everybody to embrace it the week before through the media. He said that they got ahead of themselves. Like, they're strong comments but they're really honest and they're nothing different than what he'd be saying to each of those players behind closed doors. And then, you know, game plan-wise, as you said, you've got this ability to turn the momentum of the game around through a change here, either in the system that they're using or personnel, like James Ace going to Oliver, um, Griffin Logue as well. And then on the weekend against Brisbane, they had the same option to do that against uh, Lockie Neal with the tagging. They didn't go that way, so they're back in their own system first. But then there is this second and third plan to go to that doesn't come off straight away. I've been, we're all loving that Top Gun's back in our vernacular. And I think of him when I, when I watch the scenes where in the new one, where it talks about that they've had a reliance on guided missile systems. They don't know how to dogfight anymore. They don't know how to outmaneuver and they don't know how to, you know, evade and that, you know, they're not switching from missiles to guns. And he does all that. Like he knows how to dogfight. He knows that if something's thrown at him, he can maneuver this way or maneuver that way. So I love that that is what he does with his coaching because it makes them such a fun team to watch, even though they're not a particularly high-scoring team at the minute. But if you're a footy nut, then you'll love the, the, how they're able, the nuances of how they change things up in a game. The Nat 5 situation, Hayes, I, I love that there's some clear indicators of what they're about at the moment, Frio, in terms of culture. So they don't overpay Adam Chera just in the desperation to keep him. They say, here's what you're worth in our current system. If you can get better, then good luck to you and we wish you all the best. Nat Fife hasn't played a game in about 12 months. Even though he's a two-time Brownlow medalist, they say, no, no, you, you come back through the twos. He embraces that. As a player, what message does that send to the rest of the playing group when your captain, your two-time Brownlow medalist, says, I'm not above coming back through the twos. In fact, I think I should. So it's massive. And every time they speak for ML players, it's all about the role and the clarity of role. I reckon every player in that team knows what they need to do, bar probably James Ace. He's the only one that gets confused and blurred <laughs> a little bit because he can play different roles yeah. on any given day. But everybody else certainly has the same role that they have. And, you know, this just sends an amazing message to that group that Nathan Fife, two-time Brownlow medal winner, superstar of the AFL, is no better than them. But they, he has to go back, get some fitness, get ready. And there's a bigger call this week. It was a big call last week, but with that team, now what do you do? Because you've got Sam Switkowski who will come back in. Tabernard could come back in as well. Um, Fife played well. He played okay. He needed the run. But they've got the bye a week after. So it'll take another big call. But it also sends a message to the skipper that, you know, this team is built on different principles. It's about the team. It's about what's best. And go back, get ready for it. But when you do come in, we're going to need you to play that role and yeah, some big decisions this week on what that role is and where that role is, whether it comes straight back in or one more week and then has a bye. So you could potentially get three weeks of footy in the Nathan Fife. But it's a big call because he is your skipper and, you know, he's the unknown quantity at the moment. He could really add something different because they haven't really had that player that can swing like a Dustin Martin midfield and forward. He's done that his whole career and he may get licensed to be able to do that. But to do it, you need to be cherry ripe and maybe one more game is the right way to go.
Yeah, and they've got such a great combo in there at the moment, especially with Brayshaw and Brody. Brody right in the conversation for a crew of the year. Before I let you go, Paul Hazelby, just uh, percentage-wise, um, how how far off is the lid? Or uh, is hashtag flag mantle trending too much? Or are we just keeping things in check relatively over there? I think that's been the difference this year. From the get-go, Fremantle released their five-year plan as such, and they said it's now time that we believe we belong. Finals is a goal. Where the previous five or six years, finals wasn't really the goal. And I hate mm. it when clubs do that because it sort of puts a, a ceiling on what you can achieve. And that hasn't been there. So I'm confident they can handle flag mantle. And even though Longmill came out a couple of weeks ago and said the boys are getting ahead of themselves, I just thought that was strategic from him after two games where they couldn't get their ball movement going in the wet. So whatever the fans do, they're, they're really loving it. But I think the players, they're set that this group will go forward. And it's been under strong leadership from Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong and Alex Pearce and these types. I think they're setting this club up for a real crack this year. But if it's not this year, it's certainly coming. Hayes, always great to catch up with you, mate. Uh, We'll make sure we uh, are always podcasting the run home with you and Damien Martin. Thanks so much for giving us some time on the Maccas run over here. Pleasure, Sammy. Keep up the good work, mate. Paul Hayes will be... Great to have his view on how things are tracking for Frio. And as a, a text just points out on the temper text, Fremantle have also beaten Geelong in Geelong this year. It was probably the two weeks after that where they fell away. And that's when Justin Longmuir said, yeah, we've, we've got a bit ahead of ourselves. But they are certainly in ripping nick at the moment. And as I say, last two weeks, 14 goals, 15 goals, well above their season average of 11 goals a game. If they can become a top four scoring side in the comp as well, then you should not rule them out of premiership contention. Hey, uh, we're going to finish off with the Macca's Run quiz. We've got the last of the double passes, the corporate suite at Marvel Stadium. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to have a crack at the Macca's Run quiz. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, make sure you do grab that one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Macca's Run Quiz, the double pass of the corporate suite at Marvel Stadium, all thanks to our very good friends at Macca's. Uh, Damo in Epping. Hello, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? Very well. Let's get going. Uh, question one, true or false? Melbourne have been on top of the ladder at the end of every round this season. Uh, false. Uh, sorry, no, that's correct. You're right. It is false, but you were right. Uh, question two. Minji Lee won f- by four shots at the US Open this weekend. True. Yes. Second major for Minji Lee, now number four in the world. A record purse, about two and a half million Australian for her. What an out-and-out superstar. Uh, Joe Root has become the third ever English bats per, uh, bats person uh, batter to pass 10,000 test runs. True or false? True. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not, Damo. Appreciate you playing. Uh, Aaron in Berwick, if it wasn't true, then it needs to be what? Uh, it must be false, Sam. It is. He became the second player behind Alistair Cook to get to 10,000 runs, but the only player to do it uh, within 10 years of making his test debut. Uh, Geelong is the only team with multiple players in the top 10 of the Coleman medal race right now. Uh, that could be... Well, again, it's true. You are 100% right. One question away. Uh, McDonald's introduced all-day breakfast in 2015. True or false? We'll go with true. That is true. And you are the winner of our last uh, double pass that we've got. 
uh, to head along uh, to Marvel Stadium, uh, the corporate suite there. So congratulations to you, Aaron. Stay on the line, my friend. And uh, Jordan will get your details, buddy. Thanks, Sammy. Uh, no, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Hey, big sporting capital coming up uh, in the hour that we've got before we hand over to BP uh, with the first serve. First guest straight off the bat. She's got a new documentary out now on Amazon Prime. Uh, four-time All-Australian Taylor Harris is going to be uh, our special guest. Uh, looking forward to catching up with her next. We'll do heroes and villains as well. Uh, just repeating too that Sam Landsberger is reporting that the AFL are softening and have been softening the descent rules. Uh, it appears arms out no longer 50 metre penalties. I never thought just arms out was. I always thought it was that and uh, a little bit more to go on with. Players allowed to express emotion in the heat of battle. Uh, he says sources have been telling him that the umpires are now being coached to tolerate a level of emotion so long as players are able to show restraint. And off the text, any chance of the positive stuff? What about how great the games were? We'll do that next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.